everybody, and welcome here to our uh, episode. Uh, we got a special guest for you today. Um, her name is Krista Goodrich. She's a serial investor, entrepreneur, um, adventurer. Uh, after being in debt for 21 years, uh, she went on to become a millionaire by the age of 40, is now on a mission to help others do the same. Uh, she's here to talk about her new book with us and personal uh, life. Uh, you don't, and her, the name of her book is You Don't Need a Dick to Understand Money, a woman who goes fiercely for af uh, after what she wants, the boss lady, Krista Goodrich. So uh, welcome to the show, Hello. Krista. Good to have you here with us. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> no, great. I'm glad that you could uh, come on this evening. Um, so I did want to get started. Uh, and uh, I got to say, the title of your book, You Don't Need a Dick to Understand Money, you know, caught my attention right away. Um, so I thought it was an interesting title. Um, but before we wanted to get into that, I wanted to ask you, um, so being a young person that was, you know, as you say, that was in debt, um, and then you went on to become a millionaire. What do you think changed from uh, being in debt to becoming a wealthy boss lady? And what was like, what was the catalyst for that change? So when I was growing up, my dad was a breadwinner and um, my mom, you know, she always, my dad was pretty giving with my mom. I mean, he let her do whatever she want, but I just always thought, man, I never want to have to ask someone for money. That's, that's terrible. Sure. You know, so I got a job when I was 16 and started working and well, actually when I was 14. Um, and then when I went to college, my degrees, and then I went and started in the working world, but no one had ever really taught me about money. Mm -hmm. And so I had gone to school out of state, gotten all this debt, going to college, student loans and a credit card. And when I started working, I started working in the stock market mm -hmm. and suddenly I was surrounded by all of these people who understood compound interest and understood investing and they took the time to explain to me how it worked and I was just fascinated mm -hmm. by how little it took to grow wealth mm -hmm. you really tried and really focused and they explained to me that you know you don't have to invent something you don't have to be a, the smartest person in the room mm -hmm. you just have to be consistent and so one of my bosses was like, just start doing $25 a month and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And so I started investing $25 a month and I became addicted to money and to growing money and to growing wealth. And so it just became a strange obsession for me that I just wanted to keep growing, growing, keep growing and not be in debt. Cause at the same time I had $54,000 in debt. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure you know, I didn't have that debt anymore. I didn't want to live owing so money. It didn't make me feel good. And I don't know anyone that it makes feel good when they owe people money. So for me, if something doesn't make me feel good, I try to figure out a solution so that I do feel good. So that's what I did. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So uh, about what age did like, because I hear you say when you got your first job at 16, because for me, wanting wealth and success was something that I felt in my heart, like, I know, like one day I'm going to, I'm going to make it. I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to have all the things that I want. I'm going to have that. Um, I won't say perfect job, but the business that I desire, you know, all of these certain things that I felt like in my heart from a young, as a child, from a young age, is that something that you had within you? Or do you feel like yes. it was something that was developed? 
No, understanding how to make it happen was developed. Mm -hmm. It was always in me. I mean, when I was eight years old, I was doing cookie stands at the pool, which is before pools had um, mm -hmm. like concession stands. I didn't do a cookie stand in front of my house because that wasn't profitable enough. I took my cookie stand and lemonade stand up to the pool where everyone was. <laughs> okay, so, that, that, okay, like, that's exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. So that's pretty yeah. cool. So yeah. All right. <laughs> So definitely just, an awesome from birth. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So, all right. So I, I, I read a little bit of your book. Um, I have, I, once I picked it up, I, I did, I gotta say like, uh, listening to the first chapter, I was like, wow, I want to hear what's next. You know, I thought it was really good. It had some good insights to it. And even, um, being a man trying to wrap my head around, cause I don't want to say you exclude men because you, you don't exclude them, but it, I feel as if women is, primarily who you're uh, trying to target and who you really want to help. Um, but uh, I noticed that when uh, I picked up your book, I just want to paraphrase a quote from your book and maybe you can explain it a little bit more, but it said building a business is just as important as building a life. Um, so how do you find the balance between maintaining powerful experiences, making money and having fun and also balancing the building the life portion and maybe like growing strong and loving relationships like friends and family. And I'll, and I'll, I'll elaborate on that. I, I just want to hear your take on that. Okay. So first I'm very blessed in that I love my, my immediate family that I grew up with my parents, my brother and sister. We have all just have a phenomenal relationship and we have ups and downs and drama and all the family stuff that goes on. Mm -hmm. But I just, I've had really incredible parents and I'm, so right now I own 17 companies right now right? and I balance all that and have probably the most desirable marital relationship of anyone I know. Like all of my friends would probably say, if you said, what's the best couple, you know, my husband, and it's not fake. It's, mm -hmm. we absolutely love each other, totally enjoy each other. We support each other. You know, when, when people say, oh, we never fight, we actually don't. I mean, we bicker sometimes, but sure. we don't fight. And we just do that because we're both pretty open-minded. We're both, we have very um, shared values. Mm -hmm. When we met each other, it was after several failed relationships, um, disastrous relationships. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I were celebrating our ninth wedding anniversary this week, actually. We've been together 14 years mm -hmm. and he's my third husband. So I screwed up plenty to get to where I am. I just always had a a big strong and give up on myself and businesses people always ask me how do you manage 17 businesses mm -hmm. well one i have staff i have great staff and obviously they help me sure. but two i invest in businesses that i like so i don't have i'm not going to name any businesses i don't like because i don't want to put any anyone's business down sure. but like i own um really fun businesses mm -hmm. places that i enjoy going to that every time I walk or i'm walking into it's fun. So I feel like I'm always on vacation. Like I feel guilty every single day. Even, like today's a great example. Today, um, one of my businesses, I was working with a client. We went on an eight mile bike ride. We went out to lunch. We drove around town doing all these things. Yeah, it was a super fun day and I was working. So I just marry fun and business. People, you know, you always hear people say, don't, don't mix personal and ple or pleasure and business and all that stuff. Sure. With my staff, I hang out with my staff. Um, I consider them, you know, we're all equal. I just own the company, but that doesn't make me any better of a person than them. Mm -hmm. I just happen, that's my role in the company. Right. And I don't mind if I'm going, 
if I'm going to go fishing, I'm going to go fishing with friends and clients and friends become clients and clients become friends. I just had a client, um, right before this call, she texted and said, Hey, can I borrow your truck tomorrow? I didn't know this lady a year ago. She's just (laughs) a client of mine and she knows how laid back I am and cool. She's, she knows I'll let her borrow my truck, you know? So that's just how I approach life. But I am extremely laid back. I am, I don't let a lot of things bother me. You know, we had like, when you and I first got on this call, I told you I'm dealing with the catastrophe at one of my businesses. Sure. That's happening as we speak. It's terrible. It's, it, I'm disappointed that it happened, but it's not the end of the world. And you know, there's people that little things happen and they go off the handle. And if you do that in your business or your family relationship or your marital relationship or anything, that's not going to work. If my friends, when they upset me, if I go crazy on them, I'm not going to have many friends. Mm-hmm. Same with clients. So it's all just about my, I think. No, that makes sense. So the, part of the reason I want to ask you, and I heard you say, uh, you know, it's uh, an equal balance. Um, but to bring up another quote uh, from from the uh, your book here, uh, let me see if I can just find the uh, particular quote that I was uh, wanting to pull from. But uh, it was basically, let me see here. I'm scrolling through my notes here. I should have had it pulled up uh, while you were speaking. Um, but what it was, um, where is the quote? I'm sorry. Um, so did, so did I, I'll, I'll find it here in a second, but did you, um, so along this journey of building, uh, your business, uh, and you know, maintaining that, uh, uh, relationships in your personal life and things like that. Did you have any psych sacrifices that you had to make along the way? And I've heard you talk about, um, you know, some of the previous marriages that necessarily didn't work out. Do you think that maybe had something to do with it or was it totally separate or in, in not just those specific marriages, but what sacrifices did you have to make uh, in order to get to the point where you're at? So I, I talk very openly about this in the book. So I'll, I'll explain that part. No, I don't think my marriage has suffered because of work. My first marriage suffered because my first husband became a serial gambler. Mm-hmm. And I just, it wasn't something I was willing to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And my second husband was, um, he really, really liked ladies. <laughs> so he liked a lot of ladies and not just me. And mm-hmm. so also something I wasn't willing to put up with. Sure. So my first two marriages didn't work out for for just for reasons that I wasn't willing to sacrifice myself for. As far as what have I sacrificed in business? Yes, I have missed many parties. I have missed, um, you know, when my friends were getting together, still to this day, I'll miss stuff because a lot of my businesses work. And if I need to be there at night, if I need to be there to this day, whatever I need to do for my business, I'll be there. So I do miss things, but I don't mind. I choose this life. I choose to be an entrepreneur. And I fully understood walking into entrepreneurship, that there were many sacrifices. And while every weekend um, this month, I've traveled all over the place to um, various houses. Like So last weekend we were in St. Augustine. The week before I was sailing, I sailed on a friend's catamaran down to the, um, like, so I've been doing really fun stuff. I'm able to do super fun things, mm-hmm. but on the flip side, I also miss out on a lot of things. Additionally, so my daughter's 22. Mm-hmm. And when she was growing up, I was at almost every cheerleading game, um, almost, but not every, I missed some because I had to work. She had to go to after school when I was a parent, she had to go to after school and she hated it Mm -hmm. and she didn't 
you know, she didn't understand why she had to go and her friends didn't. It's because I was working mm-hmm. and that was a sacrifice that I made. And a lot of people, you know, might judge that or question that, but I was teaching my daughter that I was a strong woman, that I was going to work, that I wasn't depending on anyone else. Not, you know, my family, not my, not a man, not anything. Like I was going to make it work for me. And we always openly talked about it, that that was what I chose, but it is a sacrifice. And if you're going into entrepreneurship, let's use some of the big ones, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, those guys have done it. And those would be people I admire in entrepreneurship. Those guys, they, they're, their entire life is devoted to their business, but they do what they like. They do interesting things that, that keep them wanting to do it. So it doesn't feel like work. And that's how I've modeled my life. I think that life. is important. That is very important. So the quote that I was referring to just a moment ago, I, I was able to find it. Sorry about that. But uh, it's, it's a, you know, I'm going to paraphrase it here so you can correct me if I'm, uh, it's not correct. But um, it says that you want to help women and take charge in charge of all aspects of her life. Um, do you believe that women should be in charge of all aspects of your life? Uh, or is there some times where maybe it should, you know, there, maybe there's some kind of equal balance there because, um, reading your book, I feel, uh, definitely feel your strong presence of, you know, um, a strong woman that's, you know, has a, I don't know if this is the right word for it, but maybe a feminist take on things where, would you say I'll that start. or what? No. Okay. So, so yeah, so opposite. So most of my best friends are men Mm -hmm. and most of the business people that I look up to are men. Mm -hmm. I am not mad at men for how they're managing being men. I have no chip on my shoulder about men. Mm -hmm. I think dudes are awesome. I think my husband walks on water. Like I, I just really, we have a friend in town right now and it's one of my guy friends from high school. Mm -hmm. I really guys. I found over time was I was getting frustrated with my gender because I had many friends when I was in my twenties and thirties and early forties that, you know, the mortgage is due next week or whatever comment I might make. And most of my girlfriends didn't know what their mortgage amount was. If they even had a mortgage, they didn't know how they were paying for their children's college. They couldn't tell me how much was in their retirement account or if they even had a retirement account. And so my frustration was more geared towards my women. And you can even hear it when you call, if you call a woman, if you're a salesperson Mm -hmm. and you say, you know, do you want to buy this? Whatever the item is, Mm -hmm. if it's expensive, a lot of times you're going to hear a woman, if she's married, answer and say, I need to ask my husband. I worked in sales and and I've dealt with that myself where I got to talk to my husband first. I've heard that one a lot. So I can, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And, and a lot of, you know, some men will say, let me ask my wife on certain things. Yeah, sure. But when they're making business, when, when men are making business decisions, actual business decisions, Mm -hmm. it's not that that they need to check with their wife Mm -hmm. on it. You know, and I would be mortified if my husband called to check on something with me for his business, I'd be like, wait, you're the business owner. Like, don't you, you make vision, you know, and we, yeah. we talk to each other, share ideas. We're very equal. And there's many times that I lean on him and he is my absolute rock and strength. Mm-hmm. And I'm not in charge of my emotions at certain times because we all have emotions, sure. right? But, but there's on the flip. of thing like like I'm not in charge of everything in my house my husband's in charge of plenty of things mm-hmm. I'm in charge of 
myself, being in charge of my finances, being in charge of my ability to generate an income, my ability to work a job that I want to work, my ability to love the way I want to love. Those are the things that I hope women can be in charge of. You see so many, or I see so many of my girlfriends that after 20 years of being married, get divorced because they've been miserable for the last 15 years, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe if they would just, just stood up and said, Hey, here's what I need. Here's what I want. It could have been corrected before it got too far. I but, certainly agree with that. And no, I think that yeah. was a great response uh, to the question because, you know, initially, you know, reading that um, in the book, that was my initial thought. I was thinking, wow, I hope she's not bullying her husband. Poor guy. You know, I, was like, <laughs> well, I thought I was going to have to check on him, get him on the podcast and make sure that you weren't bullying him or something, you know, but uh, but I've heard your response and it kind of makes things much more clear. So I could I could definitely appreciate that. Um so when it comes to uh, another question that I had here for you um, is um, do you see finances because uh, and you've kind of already answered this in some aspect, but do you see uh, finances as a, a masculine thing or uh, would you say that women don't typically understand money because and this is my take on it that they have something that maybe everyone wants if that makes sense. So, okay. So I think that it's changing as we evolve as a species. Uh, I think that we're more and more involved. I would guess a hundred years ago were very few women homeowners. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more. In- I don't know the number, but there's a lot more sure. are slowly changing and will change. Mm-hmm. Change is coming because of people or, plenty of the millions of women out there that are kicking ass and saying, Hey, I can do this. You know, figuring out a mortgage statement really isn't that hard. Understanding IRA really isn't that difficult. I think where it stems from is, is really not anyone's fault. It's just historical. Historically men handled the finances. And so it's going to take time for that to evolve. And so I think as we're evolving, women are starting to, you know, we're now in the workforce. We still make less, but that's changing too. We make more than we used to. You know, so it's just, I think it's more of an evolutionary thing. You know, I don't know why men were in charge a hundred years ago, but they were, and I'm not mad about it. It's just the way it was, but we don't have to let that continue. We can share the responsibility, you know, and I think it's important that women are showing their children, men and and boys and girls, sorry, both genders can understand money and not be afraid to talk about it. If you say to a woman, Hey, what are you investing in? You're going to get a, most of the time, a blank stare. They don't want to talk about it. Why? Well, because women, we really, yeah, and I'm going to speak for my gender. I'm sure there's a handful of people that love the stock market. I worked in it. I thought it was cool, but I didn't love it mm-hmm. as much as most of my male counterparts. But there's ways that we can invest wealth that we enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, so it doesn't have to be just stocks. But I think, you know, I think the reason it got to this point is just I think it is. Sorry, I think it cut out there. Um, or there, I think it's back now. For some reason, it looked like it, it may have cut out there. Um, so I, I got most of what you're saying on that. Um, however, I, I do kind of want to push back a little bit because, and I'm not, I'm not trying to 
blame women, but sometimes I feel, and maybe this is where I think, uh, where you, when you say you get frustrated with your gender, but I sometimes, and, and maybe I'll get a little flack for this, you know, a little bit of heat. Um, but sometimes I feel like women find a complacency, um, about making money because, you know, and they leave it up to a man because they, you know, it's a, it comes a sex thing, you know, where women have something that they can offer to men and don't, and they don't have to, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe they, like. They're like, okay, I don't have to do anything because I have a vagina and, you know, I, a man will take care of me. Is that maybe where your frustration comes from? Or does that even make sense? Or is there anything you could well, add makes to sense. that? It makes sense. No, and it doesn't upset me that you say that because I, I see you. I think there's a few things, a few variables at play. One, if you're, if you're giving birth and you're having children and you're having to leave the workforce, you, for a man, you have to understand like that is a, that's a big game changer. If you're in the corporate world or in any environment and you're working and then you have to leave for nine months, mm-hmm. you're seriously behind the eight ball. Yep. And there's nothing you can do to fix that. You're having a child, sure. you know, and then when you have little children, a lot of women will stay home with them at, and with the good thing that they do. And so then they're even more behind the eight ball. So then it becomes easier to just say, okay, well, let's let the man be the breadwinner. Sure. I don't have a problem with a woman or a man, any of a family having a single breadwinner, which whether it's a guy or girl, that's fine by me. Mm-hmm. I do have a problem with a woman or a man not taking an active role in the family's finances. So if my husband were the only worker in the house, mm-hmm. it would be my job to make sure that I'm budgeting, to make sure that I'm helping him with his you know, investments. So I would still have to take an active role, even if I wasn't the breadwinner, right? So we're, and we're equally, sometimes I'm the breadwinner, sometimes he's a breadwinner, sure. but I think, you know, I think it for, to stand up for the women that step away because of having children and stuff, that is a valid excuse. Sure. Now, I play dumb yeah. <laughs> and women do play dumb sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I know they do. I've done it a million times to get a free drink at a bar. So I know sure. how it works. Um, <laughs> and I might've bought a couple. So we're all the same boat. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Listen, we all have our asses yeah. and I know which ones I <laughs> So it does happen. Yeah. Do I think, do I, am I mad at girls for that? No, I think sometimes, you know, you, you use what you got, you know, mm-hmm. you guys, you have upper body strength, right? So we don't have that. That's not something we can use. We're all given different tools, right? Mm-hmm. So if our tools are flirtation or whatever it is, I don't have an issue as long as you're not abusive about it, sure. you know, or even if you are what some people might call abusive there, you know, I know a couple that um, got married. He's not very attractive. She's pretty attractive is a bunch of money mm-hmm. and guess what she doesn't so it's a, but it's a partnership it's an agreement you know i don't know anything about our president's marital relationship but i'm gonna just make a uh just gonna look at them and say he might have married her for her good looks yeah it's possible oh, absolutely absolutely <laughs> and she may have married him for his power sure but they both understand that and so it's not abuse in that situation because it's an agreement that they that's their agreement and that's fine it's not my business right i just don't i just i don't think it's okay when like what you were saying when a girl just acts like she's dumb because that stuff and whatever no learn it no i agree everyone needs no, I agree yeah. with that 100%. And, you know, not to cut you off, but it kind of one thing that I think will what I kind of take away from what you're saying. And this is probably I don't know, this seems like a good uh, 
way to look at it and something it's, I didn't think of this until just now after hearing you speak but I think what the woman I shouldn't say the woman's role I feel like that's probably not the right statement but I feel like women being involved in the finances I was probably more so after talking with you at the beginning of this conversation I was more so like you know I really don't understand like what what's the big deal why she's so worried about women being in the man's fine like what's the deal with it but after hearing you speak one thing I kind of took away was you want to contribute to the household goals. So if you don't want to be overspending, you want to know about the finances so you can say, hey, maybe I shouldn't be spending on this because, you know, I know my husband is doing this with the money. Like we're working to get a new deck. I Maybe I shouldn't buy this. But if you're not in the know, how can you contribute and be helpful to the household goals? So I think that's a good way to look at it. You know, I think that's something that I didn't really think about until kind of hearing you speak on it a little bit. Um, but... Uh, so I don't know. That's just kind of interesting. I, you're changing my mind a little bit, you know? So I think that's interesting. Yeah. We, so in my house, um, because I have this obsession with money, I became super educated about it and I started to find unique investments that I would tell my husband about and say, you know, what are your, it wasn't me saying, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Eventually it got to that point where he was, he was over in Europe one time and he called me and he's like, Hey, what are you doing? I was like, Oh, I just bought a house. <laughs> he's mm -hmm. like, what? I was like, Oh, I just bought a house. And he was like, well, what does it look like? I had never seen it. I just bought it online. Mm -hmm. And so we laughed about it and I went and saw that. Anyway, we made a bunch of money on the house. That's and awesome. so we got to a point where, yeah, where I can say to him, Hey, I just bought a house and we trust each other enough. He could say the same thing to me. Mm -hmm. We know that those are educated and working for the same kind of goal. And so we're going to support each other on that. So when he gets back in town, how can I help? What can we do to make this awesome and have a great sale in this house? So, but it was by knowing and understanding money and having confidence Sure. because it's knowing not enough. I had to have the confidence to press the button of, yeah, I was in a foreclosure auction online and I wanted that house and I did it. And so, you know, but again, a supportive marriage, if I had an unsupportive marriage mm -hmm. and he called and I said, I bought a house, there could be a major argument if you're not, both working towards the same common goal and both on the same page, sure. but by being educated and talking about it and he and I, we, we probably once a quarter, we'll sit down and go over and it's not like structured. We don't have like a scheduled meeting on a calendar, mm -hmm. but probably about once a quarter, we'll just sit down and do just a snapshot of, Hey, what's going on? You know, how's your income? He's in sales. His income varies greatly. Mm -hmm. I'm entrepreneur. My income varies greatly. So sometimes we're killing it. Sometimes we have, so much money we're taking trips all over the place and right. sometimes we're like oh shit we better scale back and eat in sure. for the next two months right. you know but by talking about us both understanding it that we're able to do that or you know he was contributing a certain amount to his 401k and i do um, a sep ira mm -hmm. and we were talking about where the balance you know how much is in his how much is in mine and we realized we would actually do better to be a different product and so and so we changed things up for us and, but again it's all just being knowledgeable and talking about it right and so one thing that I've heard you say a couple times as we've been talking, um, especially when we were talking about the uh, president and, uh, you know, maybe she got with him is because of the power and her, him with her because of the looks. But when you, when we, I've heard you use the word power several times. Um, do you feel, what do you, what does power mean to you? And is power, is that more important than money or can you have power without money? Like, what do, what do you think about that? Yes, you can definitely have power without money. You put any good looking person in a bar and you see power, they don't have to have money. It's true. Like there's all kinds of ways to have power. You could have power 
in strength. You could have um, power in a skill, mm-hmm. you know, so there's all kinds of ways to have power. Sure. For me, money, money gives me the power to choose my destiny. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted, like I wanted, I wanted to go on a safari in South Africa. That was a major bucket list item for me. Sure. So if I didn't have money, I would have had limited power on making that happen. By having money, I had the power to not only go over there and go on safari, but also to start shipping items over to my med- people in poor villages that I can send items over to and help them and help the world around me. That's powerful to me. That's mm-hmm. important to me. Um, we're planning to circumnavigate. So we're going to sail around the world. And because sometimes when I say that, people are like, what's circumnavigate? Oh, sail it. We're going to go around the boat, right? So, and when we do that, we're going to stop in villages all over the planet. And everywhere I go, I'm going to get to help people and learn about their culture and share my culture. Mm-hmm. There's a power in that. There's a sure. power in creating peace in the world, you know, and, and people understanding each other with everything going on today, that all the crisis in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You know, if we understood each other better, if we had more peace amongst us, you might not see all that going on. Certainly. So there's power in that, you know. So I, that's power means different things to different people. To me, the the things I want to do, are not, there are some things I can do for free. There's a lot of things I want to do that are absolutely free. Like I want to own an island because if I'm pissed off at the world, I want to go to my freaking island. That's not free. So money gives me the power to do that. Gives me freedom. Sure. Okay. I mean, that makes perfect sense. So uh, a guy, a gentleman in the chat here um, asked a question and I'll read it off to you. And I think we've kind of already touched on it, but he says, is it important for a man and a woman to have their money separate? And before you answer that, because I think I kind of know your answer on this, uh, because I know if I'm not mistaken, you've only shared a bank account with your first husband. Um, So why don't you tell a little bit about that? What do you think about that question? So um, my husband and I have separate accounts Mm -hmm. and I already shared with you guys, my first husband was a gambling addict. Mm -hmm. So I got pretty gun shy in that experience Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just kept my own account from there on out. It works for us. For some people it wouldn't work for. If, if there's one breadwinner in the house, then maybe that won't work for you. Mm -hmm. You know, my husband's name is Colin. Colin and I, we have each other's passwords. If, if ever I was in some kind of bind and I needed to access his accounts, we always can. There's no secrets, Mm -hmm. but I do my thing with my money. He does his thing with his money. Like if I'm there, if, which you can't tell today, because run before this. Um, if, you know, if I'm going to get my nails done or I'm going to go buy clothes or whatever, I don't, I don't need to tell him that he doesn't need to tell me when he goes and does that. But if I'm going to go buy a catamaran for us to sail around the world, Mm -hmm. that's something going to combine finances on or combine. So there's certain things that we definitely share finances on. And there's certain things that, you know, I don't, I can see so many arguments happening with some, if, why'd you go out to lunch there? Why'd you spend $30 at Target? Well, I don't, I don't want to nitpick that stuff. I don't have time for that. Yeah. Nobody's got time for that. I know. I mean, just from a man's point of view, I don't want to hear it. I, you know, I don't want to hear hear it. it. Yeah, exactly. I can understand that. If you see it, if you see it, you can't help it. Like if you're working Mm -hmm. and your girl is out spending all kinds of money and it's in your account and you're seeing all the money go away and you're at work, that's annoying. I'm sure it could be. I I definitely agree with that. I think, wow. and I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier, though, is an understanding when you have maybe, uh, I don't want to use the word contract, but an understanding in the relationship, whatever that dynamic may be, 
um, can go a long way. But I think understanding is a, an important takeaway. As we were just talking about when you're talking about traveling and you want to get a better understanding of other cultures and, you, you know, also, you know, give part of your culture and stuff like that. Um, and if we had a better understanding of each other, maybe, we, you know, the world would be a much better place. So I think an understanding is a, is a, a key takeaway from that. Um, so I, I don't know, that's pretty interesting, but so I've heard you talk about traveling and stuff. Uh, could you tell me what is, uh, one of your favorite places you've traveled to? Okay. Well, I already said South Africa and that is my all time absolute favorite. Well, so I went in Africa, I went to Botswana, Zambia, Zimbabwe and South Africa. Uh-huh. And I would highly recommend anyone that has the ability to go to South Africa. There is a private game reserve called Lion Sands. It is not cheap. It is phenomenal. It is a game changer. I cannot recommend it highly enough, really? um, but it is expensive. Oh my God. Super expensive, but super awesome. It is. I literally saw the big five. Um, so Cape Buffalo, leopard, um, elephant, lion, and what's the other one? not zebra. Is it zebra? Or giraffe? I don't know. I saw all of them. They were everywhere. And we, I mean, on this reserve, it was, there's no fences in Africa. Like uh-huh. it, it's just amazing. You had to have armed guards walk you to your room so that if elephants were nearby, they didn't trample you. I mean, it was awesome. And so that was my favorite. But if you're more on a budget, um, there's plenty of places you can travel on a budget internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, Kay Cocker or San Pedro in Belize, mm-hmm. phenomenal, very, very inexpensive when you're there. Mm-hmm. We rented an Airbnb little villa and the island of Kay Cocker off Belize City is gross. So don't don't hang out there. And if you've been on a cruise and seen Belize City, don't judge it by that. Mm-hmm. But go out to the little islands and we didn't spend more than $30 a day on breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I think lobster was included in every time we ate mm-hmm. little islands, the little houses that are on them. People cook every day and put a sign out that say, this is what our family's having for dinner. If you want to join us, it's $5. It was cool as shit. That sounds that, really cool. It really was cool. Um, in the U S top places I like in the U S um, Oh, sorry. Let me mention Peru. Cause I just did Peru. Peru was awesome. If I've you never like been to Peru, I'd love to go. Peru is awesome. I'll do Peru again. I'll do Peru again for more uh, existential type of experience. <laughs> but this time I went with family, so it was sure. just to see much you. But um, so in the U.S., I love Sedona. I think it's awesome. We like snowboarding, so in the winter we go snowboarding. But I live in Florida because I'm going to give Florida props for, in my opinion, being the greatest state in this nation. <laughs> uh, so much to offer. We have springs and islands and beaches and the, i mean our springs most people aren't familiar with how awesome they are there's manatee everywhere we go to a spring probably once a month and you can dive and snorkel and there's alligators and yeah. crazy trees and birds well, i know and you I'm- like fishing too and i love florida is probably one of my favorite f- fishing states to go to so uh you know i, I mean that's probably one of my favorite hobbies is to go fishing we, we just went and my told you my friends in town so he just went down right down the street to the fish market and got us some sheep's head and we always have fresh fish that's awesome uh, yeah i'm learning how to spear fish so we spear fish <laughs> off daytona um our visibility is terrible so i'll probably get eaten by a shark but oh don't be- say that <laughs> <laughs> that's that happens, happens, but yeah so yeah i i think florida has so much to offer outside of just Disney world. Like that, that's part of Florida, but there's plenty to see here. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, I want to dive into uh, your book a little bit. Um, so when, so in this book, 
Um, how can your book, you know, help women and maybe even men as well? Because I've I t- I've gotten a, a, a few takeaways from it, and I was just getting into the first chapter of it, and you know, I was like, okay, I, I'm I'm excited to see more and, and continue on this. Um, how can this book maybe help women avoid maybe pitfalls and mistakes that maybe you have encountered, or do you offer that in your book? Like maybe there was like, I don't want to say a shortcut. That's probably the wrong word, but to say, Hey, look, this is what did or didn't work for me is do you go into some of that in your book and maybe help women avoid some of the pitfalls that you may have encountered along the way? Yeah. So a couple of things first, before I go into the women's side, I'll tell you a quick, funny story. So one of my staff at, um, I have a bar here in Daytona and one of my staff is a college kid and he's in a fraternity Mm -hmm. and he's, he and I get along great. He's very supportive of everything I do. He bought the book as soon as it came out. And a week later we're at the bar and a guy came in and he's like, um, are you the boss lady? And I was like, Mm -hmm. I am. And he said, will you sign my book? And he had a copy of the book and I was, and it, and it was a dude. Uh-huh. And I said, where did you get this? And he was like, Oh, everyone in my fraternity has this book. We love it. We had Jonathan brought it to the fraternity house and we all started reading it and we all got tired of waiting for the next guy. So we all bought our own copies. He was <laughs> like, you're going to have a ton of fraternity guys coming to get your signature. And I did. So sure. it's been really, really fun, even though it was written towards women. Um, it's written towards women, probably in their demographic coming out of college. Sure. So, the guys loved it. So that being so said, so how can I get a what, signed book? What do I got to do to get one of those? I'll get. I can hook you up. I, I have connections. All right, I appreciate so. that. I'm going. I'm gonna hold you to that because I want one. Yeah. All right. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'll get you copies. All uh, right. So what? Is, uh, so how? What is as far as the women's side go though? Go, go into a little bit about that because I want to yeah, hear about so, that as well. I've read every book on finance I can possibly imagine. And most of them, 99.9% are written by men. Mm -hmm. So they can be quite boring because if you listen to a conversation guys are having, Mm -hmm. whether it's about cars or sports or anything, that's very different than a conversation you hear amongst women. That's the same in finance. So when I went to, yeah, when I went to write the book, I didn't want to write it in a way that was geared towards men, very technical, right? Because women were not as technical as men. So I wrote about coach purses and I wrote about how I save money when I go to a formal event and I borrow a gown from my friends. And yes, they are shortcuts in ways that the first formal event I went to in my adult life, my dress was like $500, which is a ripoff. I wore it one time, Mm. you know? So how do you avoid that? So I talk about that. I talk about when you get married, when you, or not even get married, if you just have a life partner or a partner for however long, I talk about having shared values and shared goals, and that's something women are interested in. I talk about investing is not just stocks and bonds. Most of my investing right now is done in businesses and real estate. Mm-hmm. Real estate is something women are very well versed in. When it's time for people to buy a house, that is when women have a strong voice in what they want or don't yeah, want. That's and true. Most of the time, yeah, most of the time we win that argument, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're good at buying houses, if we're good at knowing what other women want, that's a way that we can invest, you know? So I talk about things that would excite women. I don't talk about price to earnings ratios. Mm -hmm. I don't think you need to know that unless that interests you. Mm -hmm. I talk about how you generally can invest in the stock market, what a stock is, what a bond is, Mm -hmm. how you can get further information if you want it. But I talk about mutual funds. I talk about that that's the way that most people invest in the stock market is through mutual funds. Mm -hmm. You know, and I even hear, sometimes the guys will talk about, stocks or whatever. And I call them out because a lot of times guys are just talking, but they actually don't know what they're talking about. They'll, oh, you know, 
back when Enron was a thing, which is you're a little younger than me, so you may. I know remember. Enron. I know about the whole right, deal, right, buddy. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you know, people weren't the people I knew were not buying shares of Enron. They mm-hmm. had Enron in their mutual funds. That's where they lost money. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. buying individual shares. Very few people can go out and buy individual shares of stocks because you have to buy a hundred at a time, mm-hmm. right? And your good stocks are expensive. So not a lot of people are buying. I mean, it happens, but not at the level people think. The way most people invest in the stock market is through mutual funds. So we talk about that. Interesting. Um, and we talk, yeah, just because I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just because me personally, I, I didn't. I mean, yes, I did. I knew that. But when you say, I guess I wonder if that's starting to shift a little bit. Maybe I'm incorrect on that because I, I know that you worked for, uh, you know, worked at a company uh, that I guess you guys were involved with mutual funds and stuff like that. Um, so um, I, I knew that about you. But my thing is uh, I only buy, you know, I have an account on TD Ameritrade. I buy individual stocks. I've, sometimes if you're buying something like Amazon, you maybe can only afford one or two at a time, you know. So, but I'll, you know, I can buy one or two of those stocks at a time. And um, so I've never, I do get like some ETFs and things like that, which are typically a few stocks that are spread out or companies that are within that ETF, you know, where the money is spread out amongst a few of those companies. But I never really thought about the mutual fund aspect. Do you think that's something that, and I don't want to shift gears here, but it's just kind of interesting to me because I never thought it was something that that's where most people put their money. Do you think that's because people feel less empowered to, because they just want to give their money away and have someone invest for them? Because for me personally, I look at stocks and I say, no, I want which one do I want to pick? You know, I, I want to be involved with it and not just pawn it off and not think of it. Do you think that's a lack of education or does that make sense on no. what I'm saying? It does make sense, but I don't think that's why. I think the reason why is because the majority of investment in this country is done through 401ks and IRAs. Okay. And when you invest in a 401k or an IRA, traditionally your options are going to be mutual funds. Mm-hmm. So when you go to work for a company and you do, you start your 401k investment, they're going to give you a risk profile that you'll probably fill out. Maybe right. you won't. Your options in your 401k are mutual funds. Okay. So that that is where most people have money invested. Do people have Ameritrade accounts and Schwab accounts and all that? Mm-hmm. Yes. But I would say, the I mean, I'm positive actually, a huge, there's a huge gap in the number of people that have large amounts in those accounts mm-hmm. and that have large amounts in their retirement accounts. So you might meet someone who's 30 years old and if they've done a good job, maybe they've got half a million dollars in their 401k, right? Mm-hmm. They most likely do not have half a million dollars in individual stocks. It happens, but it's very rare. Yeah, I was going to say, I would probably be on the opposite end. I would probably have, I would probably have it reversed me personally. Um, but that's interesting. I've never thought of maybe, I guess. Well, I'm, not, yeah. Well, the retirement plans are tax advantaged. So yeah. on top of whatever returns you're getting, they're also getting a tax advantage, that's right? A good point. So, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Fun, yeah. Like if I'm having fun and I want to pick, you know, if I think a stock for whatever reason, I want to invest in that because it's fun. Mm-hmm. I'll do that. But even as, as much as I know about it, picking individual stocks, it's a tough game. Like when the market's going up, it's a great game. It's an easy game. We're all geniuses. But when the market tanks, I've, I've done this rodeo enough times mm-hmm. to see all the smart people become less smart. So, you know, I just, for me, it's, if the experts want to pick stocks and if you have time to watch it all day long Mm -hmm. and really study the company and understand who's running it and know the board of directors and understand the different ratios 
Sure, if you know the alpha and the beta of a company, yeah. you're a billion steps ahead of someone else. Most people don't have the time for that, you sure. know. And so no, I don't know, and I don't spend their time on that. Yeah, that makes sense. I do typically. I if if sometimes you know I get on there nine thirty in the morning, right when the market opens, and I'm there all damn day until four thirty in the afternoon, and I'm just sitting there. So I but you enjoy that. it. I do enjoy it. I constantly, yeah. I'm constantly hitting that refresh button, looking at all the latest stuff. Um, I, I like you said, I do enjoy it. I think that's the kind of the main thing. Um, and I'm not opposed to mutual funds or anything like that, but something's much more exhilarating for me to pick the stocks, and I almost feel as if I'm somewhat of a, a, a mutual fund for myself in the way when you, when we talk about stock, uh, you know, individual stocks, you know, I'm picking, you know, 20, 30 companies and I look to let like maybe, okay, this is not looking real great over here, but I'm going to buy this one to kind of balance the two. So I kind of go in that direction and kind of try to keep a balanced portfolio. So I don't know. It's really exciting for me. I mean, I get almost a, a sense of a high or something. Maybe I don't know what that is, but I get excited through the stock market. I don't know. And if it's fun for you, then you should, that is where you should invest sure. because that's enjoyable and it's fun. And so you're making money, learning about money, doing something you enjoy. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, I make the, like I told you, the majority of my money right now, I make in real estate. Sure. I love it. You know, I'm able to, I leveled up my wealth a ridiculous amount because I really enjoyed it. I mm -hmm. wouldn't have had as much fun doing stocks, you know, but then of course I have a ton of mutual funds because of my background and stuff, but sure. Um, but that's not, I mean, mutual funds are boring. Like sure. no one wants to, watch that's that. what I that's, think it is for me. I think it's a boring aspect. I like to be much boring. more involved in it with like something tangible. I can put my hands on with a mutual fund. I feel less involved. And I think that's what it is for me. Yeah. It's they're boring. Yeah. They're definitely, but they're good investments for a retirement account. Sure. For somebody, yeah, and, I ha and I do have a 401k. So the world so I'm, attention. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, so, okay. Well, so just moving, going on with the, uh, book here. Um, could you, you, you talk, like we were talking about just a moment ago that, you know, not finding any pitfall or, or being able to, uh, avoid any pitfalls as we were getting into that. Uh, could you keep going on that a little bit and explain about what obstacles maybe you did face and how you got around them and mm -hmm. how, how that relates to your book? So the biggest obstacle everyone faces with money is what debt, right? Sure. So anytime, like if I post on social media and I say, Hey, you know, what do you guys want me to post about or blog about or write about in the next book? It's always debt. So as you saw on my, um, the course I have is get debt free, right? Yep. Because that's what everyone wants to learn. Cause so many people are in debt. Mm -hmm. So my first obstacle was getting out of debt mm -hmm. and it sucks. It is a horribly long process. It is not fun to think about, but horribly long now actually turns out to not be so long. When I was looking at it at 23, I'm th thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in debt forever. Mm -hmm. But what I did was I sat down and focused and I stuck to my plan, which really was terrible. It was, you know, there was so many things I wanted to buy. So many times I wanted to get my nails done. I wanted to buy Us Weekly magazine when I was checking out to find out what Brad Pitt was doing with Angelina, but I didn't do those things. <laughs> Instead, I paid off my debt, Sure. you know? And so, and so I was able to do it really fast. Like I was supposed to um, have my student loans when I first got out of college. It, my analysis said that my student loans would be paid off when I was 42 years old. I'm 42 right now. My student loans were paid off when I was 30. 
right? Maybe 32. Anyway, they're paid off way, way, way early. And that was by just buckling down and doing it. And to my friend that's here in town visiting, he's 43. He still has student loans. And I already talked to him a long time about it today and told him we're going to fix that. But I don't want to still have student loans when I'm halfway through life, you know? So I just buckled down and I think that's what people have to do. And that's the biggest obstacle for most people is one, acknowledging your debt, realizing that just carrying a credit card balance all the time is not a way to live sure. if you want to be free. And so I think sitting down and figuring out and getting out of debt, I think that's the biggest challenge. And once you do that, once you have no debt or no bad debt, because I don't mind good debt, but once you have no bad debt, I mean, sky's the limit. Sure. And, you know, I want to just point out to everybody that your uh, workbook there on getting out of debt is actually a really great workbook. And I'll put it in the uh, uh, in the link in the description so everybody can check that out if you want to look into it. But I like the way that you have it formulated. You know, I saw the it was just uh, with your good debt or or which uh, what do you need to pay off? Just the way it's all brought up. I thought it was really cool. Um, I was tempted to fill it out. I hadn't filled it out because, you know, um, I'm, I'm a little bit younger, but um, there's a few things that I need to probably make more of a priority as far as knocking down some of the uh, debt on some of those things. Uh, so that I don't know, I may utilize that. And I did notice that uh, you were willing to review some people's workbooks. Uh, your email was listed at the bottom of the workbook. And you said, hey, if you want me to take a look at it and review it, you'd be willing to do that. And I thought that was really cool of you as well and something that was interesting. So I, I thought that was really great. Yeah. yeah, and there's no cost for me to review it. When, when I was again, 23, and I did this for the first time myself and figured out how I was going to get out of debt. I didn't have anyone to help me. It was, my parents didn't talk about money and I didn't, you know, I didn't know anyone until I was in the stock market. Mm -hmm. And so I want to offer the same help that was given to me for free. You know, my, my coworkers, they didn't have to help me. They didn't have to explain things to me, but they knew I was sincerely interested and sincerely wanted to learn what they were doing. So I want to offer that back to, to people because it was so such a huge benefit for my life. That makes perfect sense. And I, I thought it was, that was, that workbook was really cool. I want to, I'm definitely gonna have to review it over again. Um, do you have, uh, any, uh, other things that you would like to mention in your book? Um, because I've only gotten into the first chapter is, could you maybe go into a little bit more depth on what to expect as I continue to read and others may read that decide to pick up your book? Sure. Yep. So uh, the book has 16 chapters. Um, first and last chapter are more just kind of fun. Like, here's me. Here's why I'm writing this book. Sure. Um, and the last chapter is more like winding down what you learned, right? Um, I talk about stocks, bonds, mutual funds, but again, in a fun way. It's very conversational, the book. And I write at a fourth grade level, mm -hmm. not because I'm an idiot, but because that's what the average person reads at. That's so, interesting. I did not know that. Um, so I made it a purpose. My book, you can read in two days and it's 310 pages, but it, and almost everyone I know that's read it, read it in two days. Right. So and you have the audio version as well, right? Yeah. It's on audible as well. Yeah. And it is, it is me like narrating it. I think it's more that's fun. When the cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more fun. So, um, I talk about life choices, career choices. I talk about taxes, probably the most boring chapter, just read it. But you know, it is the probably the most boring chapter, but insurance is interesting. I talk about saving for college student loans. Mm -hmm. If you have children or are planning to pay off your student loans or save for college one day, we talk about that. Uh, my co-author, Grace Everett, mm -hmm. she's a millennial. 
and specifically wanted a millennial co-author so that some of my terminology um, acronyms and stuff would be more things that millennials would understand because I think a 25 year old is more likely to get started on their finances than a 60 year old. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to gear it towards um, people that are younger and you know, it, it's all everything that you could want to know for basic finance. It's nothing too detailed. Listen, I'm licensed in managed futures. I could sell you pork belly futures if I wanted. To. <laughs> no one, no, it's not fun. Like no, no one, not no one wants to learn that. No, Very I understand. Few, you know, so I don't talk about that kind of stuff. Do I know that stuff? Sure. Could I make myself sound super smart and talk about that? Yeah, but yeah. that's. I'm not trying to impress the people that know that. I'm trying to help people that don't know where to start that don't have the guidance. And that's exactly, I think that's a great takeaway because that's one of the things that I like to do with my podcast is um, even, and I do a lot of stock related stuff as well. Um, But I do it, you know, what I do is I go over some of the stocks that I like, like just simple, just single stock picks that are what I consider maybe a hot pick. You know, that's what I like to do. But my goal is to start with somebody um, just showing them how to get involved when they don't know where to turn. Somebody just starting out, you know, and I think there's so many people like that, especially when it comes to finance that are just not really sure where to begin. And I feel like maybe that's one of the things where, um, you know, the country as a whole, uh, the United States struggles when, when it comes to finance, because it's not something they really teach in public schools. They don't teach you how to balance a checkbook in public schools and all of this at stuff. All. Yeah, exactly. So um, not just on the financial aspect, but um, it's something like I do a lot of different range of topics and it's usually all entry level stuff. It's just to get that ball rolling. And um, if that's something that your book really does, I think that's a great thing. And I, I would definitely recommend that for people and I've already started picking up reading it you know I'm a little bit further along I wouldn't say I'm an advanced in finance or anything I would probably consider myself somewhere in between advanced and beginner um, but just based off of what I've read so far it was definitely something I was like oh this is kind of cool you know like I, I, I was like it, it, it caught my uh, attention and like uh, I liked it and then also one other thing about your book is you, you don't really have a filter you know what I mean and I think that's great <laughs> Yeah, no, and no. I, but I think that's great though. Like it seems more authentic, more raw, and more relatable than some person that is like uh, trying to be pol- politically correct in every situation, or you know, oh, it's got to be written this exact way. But when it's more of a conversational flow type piece, which I kind of got from your book, I, I mean, I thought I don't know, I thought that was a great. It's it's different, you know. It's not something you come across every day. Oh yeah, there's. A, if you read my book, you know some very embarrassing details about my life because I don't. <laughs> but it, it had to be real. If it, sure. you know, I, I wasn't. Again, I'm not the smartest person in the room, so mm-hmm. I don't need to make myself sound that part like that. I know a lot about money. I I managed to in a world where it seems very difficult for people to create wealth if they don't come for it. I managed to do that mm-hmm. against a lot of odds, against a lot of bad choices. You know, and I was not a good teenager i made some really difficult choices and you know those consequences but it's okay like i figured it out at the end of the day i figured it out Mm -hmm. and i created this incredible life right and so anyone can you don't have to be elon musk to do it you know so i have to start somewhere and i would suggest Mm -hmm. starting with your book really if you know if you really if they're not really sure where to begin starting with your book i think would be a great place to get started especially if you're a female um 
I think it's it's really relatable. And even as a male, you know, I found a lot of relatable ways to it. And also hearing you speak about some of the things that we talked about, you gave me I, I, w- I wouldn't want to say I was more closed minded, but I, I explained a little bit earlier. You know, I felt a little bit excluded like, uh, well, what, you know. I don't understand, but after hearing you talk about how you feel about your relationship and how it's not meant to exclude, but you, you know, women should be more involved and want to contribute to the household goals and things like that, it gives me a broader perspective of the points you're actually trying to get across. So I can appreciate that and I can go into your book with a much better understanding and I hope everybody else will be able to as well. Um, cause, uh, like I said, reading the title instantly as a man, that shocks you. Like, well, dang, I don't even know if I'm supposed to pick this up. I don't think it's for me, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. So I, but after hearing you talk, having you on is really, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited and I'm like, okay, great. No, I feel, I feel a sense of, I don't know. You just made, I feel like you've really explained it well and done a good job with it. So I, I can appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. No, not uh, and nothing against feminists. If there's feminists listening, great. Then yeah, whatever you no, want. No, exactly. Yeah, I, and I don't want. Yeah. I didn't want my comment to come across that way, but I wanted to understand if that was the goal or if not, and yeah. what your no, no, whole a, sta- understanding was. So I appreciate that. No, it's a fair question, and based on the title, that's a fair sure. assumption could make. And and so I no, I totally understand. Sure. Um, the title. The title was more to be shocking so that people would pick it up. <laughs> right. No, and it was. I mean, it caught my attention. So, I mean, it yeah. was great. It was a great marketing technique. Um, do you have plans for any other books in the future? Yes. So, I started writing um, A Disaster Proof Your Business and Your Life. Okay. So, and they're going to end up being two books instead of one. I was going to put it all in one, but I'm going to do two because my friends that don't own businesses we're all like, hey, we want to read the book too, but the business owning a business part doesn't interest us. So I'm writing two books, Disaster Proof Your Business, Disaster Proof Your Life. And then I've got the Boss Lady Investor Real Estate Book and the Boss Lady Invest the Boss Lady Small Business Investor. Okay. Uh, so those are new. And then I'll, I'll probably try at some point to switch over to fiction just because I want to write a fiction book and see what happens, see if it's sure. absolutely terrible. Publish. <laughs> But, you know, I, so th- that's where I'm starting and we'll see where it goes. My, like I told you that I have a lot of guy friends and they're sure. like, can you write a book? That's, you know, even if you have a dick, you can. Yeah. <laughs> so. that, no, that might be an interesting take though. Like some kind of like play on that to make it. I've, yeah. Cause I've seen books like that in the past where you can see where they have it for both uh, genders and things like that. So that I wouldn't be, I would say that you, you could probably make that work. Well, you know, what I initially wanted to title my book, but I was afraid I'd get sued, was Rich Mom, Poor Mom. Ooh, yeah. That, ooh. <laughs> I mean, it's a great title, but I don't I don't know. That's pushing it, isn't it? It's a it's great fast, title. Fantastic though. book. Right? Yeah. Everyone loves that book, right? But clearly male-centric, right? Yeah. And guys- Well, maybe, and girls, maybe there's a way you could reach out to them. Maybe you guys can collab. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it might. You never know. You never know. <laughs> He's but made a lot of money on that book. I'm sure he's not trying to most right. Yeah, no, no worries. Well, uh, well, I just want to say, Krista, um, if there's anything else that you wanted to say, I do have your uh, workbook link in the description. I have your website in the description, which is the bossladyinvestor.com. And then I also have the link to Amazon where they can pick up your book, get the audio book, all of that great stuff. Is there anything else you wanted to add on any of that? No, I mean, just if, if you're interested in seeing how I do what I do, follow me on any of the socials. Um, I'm not extremely active, but I'm pretty active. I'm not like crazy everyday active, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty active. And if you're out there and you're interested in having an awesome life, then 
guy or girl, you really need to take control of your money, regardless where you are right now. Just make the choice that you want to live the life of your dreams and do it and find ways to do it that you enjoy. Because if you don't enjoy it, you won't stick with it. I think that's a great point. Uh, definitely something that's part of the reason that I started this podcast, you know, uh, uh, is because it was something I enjoyed and I've continued It's a learning experience as well. So I think that's a, a big key is to do something that you enjoy, but, uh, definitely thank you so much for coming on and spending this hour with us. I appreciate your insights, sharing some of your personal stories. You gave me a better understanding. Um, I'm feeling much more pumped up about the book and getting back into it. And I'm still going to hold you to that signed copy i definitely want mine okay all right after we hang up email me your address i'll get you a copy no worries sounds good all right well thank you so much crystal you have a great night okay all right you too thank you bye-bye yeah, take care okay everybody so that was uh the boss lady krista goodrich um let me fix this here you got double my face there. Sorry about that. So Krista Goodrich came in, uh, kind of explained a little bit about her book. Part of the reason why I wanted to do tonight's episode on it is because I have a few women friends that... Oops, excuse me. I hit the wrong button. I have a few women friends that... Um, you know, uh, weren't really sure, you know, they reach out to me, Hey, Kevin, you know, I want to invest. And, you know, sometimes a man speaking to a woman about finances, they don't always, uh, relate to one another. So this could be a way, uh, you could reach out to Krista, um, on her social media platforms as she described. Um, or if you would like, uh, to uh, find her social media, you can reach out to me and I'll point you in the right direction on reaching her. Um, but I think she had a lot of great information for you guys. It was kind of nice just to hear her speak and tell a little bit about some of her experiences. And if you're a guy who was, who was like me, I was thinking, wow, this lady, uh, she's, she really just, you know, uh, seems to really be on the girl power woman side and didn't really care about men. Um, so she gave me a broader perspective perspective on that and kind of clarify some things so i don't know i think uh, you guys would enjoy her book i've already started reading the first chapter um but that's gonna be it for tonight's show um we'll be back next monday uh we won't have a guest on for next monday i got a something a little bit different plan for you guys and i'm also going to be doing a giveaway next monday um I'll give you guys more details. I don't want to give it too much information, but I got some exciting stuff coming up. Um, we're going to have a great giveaway, and uh, I think that's uh, all I got planned for this evening. I'll be back next Monday at 7 p.m. Uh, that's it. You guys have a great night, and uh, take care.